On today's brand new episode, my new friend CJ Finley is going to tell you how to thrive on life. My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text PODCAST to 972-945-9113 to join our Morning Motivation Club and visit CompeteEveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Competitor Nation. Jake Thompson here, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and welcome to this episode of the Compete Every Day Podcast. I'm excited as my friend from Thrive on Life, CJ Finley, joins the show. And shout out to our mutual buddy, James Quigley, which is how I learned about CJ's awesome work right down 35 in Austin, Texas. Man, we get into a lot of stuff on the show today, and I think you're going to find CJ's energy infectious, as well as his vulnerability to talk about his journey, the changes he's made, and just the importance of us being intentional with how we interview ourselves and then how we take care of ourselves. If we're not doing the work to become our best, to take care of ourselves from a health perspective, from a mental perspective, how in the world are we going to show up with our best for others? Before I dive into today's episode, you know the drill. I want to encourage you to join the Morning Motivation Club. All you got to do is text the word podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to your favorite number, 972-945-9113. That's 972-945-9113. You'll automatically be opted into the Morning Text Club. Message and data rates apply, but you can join the Compete Everyday Morning Motivation Club for free. Also, before I dive into the show, shout out out to today's Competitor Nation member, Savannah Kelso. Savannah, if you're listening, thank you so much for being part of Competitor Nation, for being on our Mighty Networks app, and always talking about how you're competing every day to those who follow you and those who continue to be inspired by you. So today's shout out to Savannah Kelso. She's in the Competitor Nation community, and if you want to join, all you got to do is head to community.competeveryday.com. Now, let's talk about how to thrive on life with my new friend, CJ Finley. CJ, welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. Thank you for having me, Jake. I'm really excited for this conversation. Yeah, man. A fellow, even though not a Texan by birth, we will claim you now that you're in Austin, Texas, right down 35. Uh, man, learned of your work and brand, as I mentioned a little while ago from our friend James Quigley, who's been on the podcast before. So Coach James will link to his episode in the show notes. But great dude. And, and obviously anything that he's around and involved with and the people he associates with, I always hold in very high regard. And so when I saw his name come up in your world and him talking about it, I was like, I got to figure out who this guy is because I love this brand of Thrive on Life. And so take me back a little bit. I know you haven't been in Austin crazy, crazy long. You've been in Houston and, and some other places prior to the East Coast. Where did this Thrive on Life mentality come from? And then when did you decide to make it more than just something you kept to yourself? 
Yeah, so that's a great question. And again, shout out James Quigley, uh, hell of a human being here in Austin, Texas. So if you're listening to this, check him out and everything that he's working on. Um, but in terms of Thrive on Life, it really kind of stems back, I think, to when I was born, to be honest. Um, I'm cleaning out my house right now. And I read this, uh, I have some notes from when I was a kid. And I guess my, my parents sent me little notebooks when I moved out of my house in New Jersey over a decade ago. And I still have some of that stuff. And as I'm moving out, I read one of the, the letters and the prompt was like, do you, I think the prompt was, would you want anybody else's life for a week? And I really surprised myself when I look back at that because you would think that somebody in third, fourth, or fifth grade, it was around then would answer like a professional athlete or um, an actor or a movie star or their favorite superhero. And I literally wrote, um, I didn't want to be anybody but myself. I just want to live and be me forever. Something like that. And it really started when I was a a young kid and I didn't realize it that I always wanted to like carve my own path and do a little bit more than just the average person. If I was playing a sport, I wanted to be the best at the sport. If I was in school, I wanted to be the best that I could be at school. If I was getting a job, I wanted to be known as the hardest working employee at that job. And it was just something that was instilled in me. The problem is we live in a society that that can be taken for granted, meaning I started falling victim to the grades and the accolades and the money rather than the process and loving and enjoying the process. And you kind of get fall into this jaded realm of, do I do it for the money or do I do it because I love it? Do I go get this one degree because I love what I'd be doing or do I get this other degree because it's going to pay me a lot? And short backstory, I went to school for industrial and systems engineering. So I went the, I'm going to follow my passion of math and science, but also attach it to, it's going to make me a lot of money one day. Um, and the reality of that is got to a desk job. I don't know why I thought I could sit at a desk job when I couldn't sit in a classroom and pay attention. Um, so right away I learned this is not for me. It's not going to be for me. And the second part of Thrive On Life is, is health, is just my health started deteriorating. I've had a autoimmune disease my entire life, but I didn't really figure it out until I was in my mid-20s. And to be graphic, um, I'm comfortable talking about this these days, but I wasn't back then. It was just like, I literally started shitting blood and uh, it was really scary. My dad's sister died of colon cancer when she was 40 years old. And once I hit 25, I started really reflecting like, wow, like life is really short. I want to do more. If I'm going to only survive to 40, like I want to be thriving up until that point. I want, I really want to do something more. And then the last piece of it, it started um, when my wife, I've known her since we were 10 years old, we got disconnected. She moved to Houston and I was living in New York, but we were still friends and her father passed away on my mother's birthday and he was in really good shape. He died in a spin class of a heart attack. And that triggered me to send her an email. And then we started communicating back and forth. And once we started dating, just the conversations we were having started saying like, we really want to do more. We want to like in inspire people and impact people. And the co combination of just like the natural 
instinct within me to like want to do more and then my own pain and then seeing somebody else I really cared about go through pain that kind of combination eventually led to okay let's get on a whiteboard and start drawing out like what what type of brand do we want to build and what do we what do we want to inspire people to do and when we reflected we were just like well what what is us who is us who are we on an everyday basis what do we think separates us? And we came to the conclusion is just like, no matter what environment we're in or challenge that we're put, that is put on us, we want to thrive. I don't, I don't want to just be mediocre ever. And neither does my wife. And that's where it was like, I tried to buy thrive.com, but if you go there right now, it literally has been parked for, (laughs) since I looked this up like six years ago. And it says this, this, this website is not for sale somewhere in Minnesota. Um, so somebody is parking on that website and <laughs> I make a joke, like I'm going to buy it for a million dollars one day, but, um, we then had to like spin off, like what are different names of thrive? And we just landed on thrive on life. So I know that's long winded, but no, it really it's... was like a lifelong thing that led to kind of like a, a moment of clarity. This is the, this is my brand. This is, this is what I want to represent every single day for the rest of my life. So there, there's a few things I want to pull out here as well as some things that I learned about you prepping for the show is you talked about a, a lot of your, your digestive and inflammation health issues that for 25 plus years. Um, I found it interesting though, is you got, well, I guess your first tattoo at 18 was never give up. And so you were still in the midst of everything in that moment, uh, probably digestive issues of graduating high school of, and we all know what like that roller coaster can be like as a kid when you're um, less emotionally equipped as, as maybe we are as adults. Do you see that tattoo as part of the, I guess, planted seeds along with that letter from when you were a kid that started you down the path? Or was it just the reminder of like, I'm going through some just shit right now and I got to keep reminding myself to keep showing up if I want to thrive on life eventually? This is an amazing question. It honestly just gave me chills. And the fact that you even knew that and you've, I mean, we, we've never met in person. So that's pretty cool. Um, you mentioned a word, emotional IQ, basically emotional intelligence. And unfortunately I grew up in the nineties and like, that wasn't a, a thing that we were taught. And as a young male that was, I would say leaning towards obsessive compulsive narcissism esque traits, not in a, an aggressive and terrible way but just kind of reenacting what I saw like I wanted to be the best and I was willing to do whatever it took to be the best but then internally I was suffering and because I had that kind of egotistical narcissism I didn't know how to open up to anybody I thought that would be seen as weakness and I think the the need to get tattoos and the need to like lean more into creative outlets was my own version of me coping and healing and the never give up when I got it, I'd asked for a tattoo prior to me even turning 18 and my parents shot me down. So literally a month after my birthday, I went by myself, uh, drove to a, a place, um, right outside Philly on the New Jersey side and, and paid, I think like $330 for my never give up tattoo. 
And it really was just meant to be a reminder every day when I looked in the mirror to like never give up hope on what I actually want to do with my life and, and what I want the world that I'm in to be. And whether you have tattoos or don't have tattoos or whatever you think about them, um, I never try to defend them and I never try to tell people to go get them. So it's one of those things that um, I didn't feel like me until that was on me. And I'm sure other people can relate, but for me, it's really that attitude of never giving up hope and always believing that there's a solution. That's, that is the seed and the root to my entire existence on this earth. Like I wouldn't be here today where I'm sitting with the significant other that I have if I did not have that ultimate belief of never giving up. Yeah. And, and I can see, obviously, once I would almost say, once you take quitting and giving up off the table and you let your ethos be that you are going to find a way to keep showing up for you, whether you have 30 years or whether you're graced to get over 100, it changes how you show up and probably changes your perspective to a degree. Maybe not instantly, but it starts to change where you start playing the long game. Mm. And I feel like as we've talked here, we were talking previously, y'all are in the process of building a house. You're going to be building a studio in the house. And right now you're kind of in your operator mode. You're preparing everything behind the scenes, which means you're playing the long game of like, this is a quote, not now season to be able to do certain things, but I'm going to get everything ready. In terms of life, have you always had kind of that bigger perspective or did it start to shift when you met your wife and you all started really working through this thrive on life brand? And then you started making some major changes in terms of your nutrition consumption and, and lifestyle. A little bit of both. So when I was younger, I just was attracted to math and science, the math and sciences of the world and and engineering and, and building and when i studied and analyzed that side of the world like the best builders and the best creators i started realizing really quickly that it takes time to do anything special and anything that you that's worth achieving is going to take time and accepting that and the other end of that was I love sports and I would go to the gym a lot. And I realized that the more that I practice, like as a young athlete, I was a scholar athlete at our school. I was voted most, uh, I forget what it was called. Most, um, I got a scholarship when I graduated high school for being like the best athlete, at, scholar athlete at our school. And on the outside, it would be like, people would be like, uh, he's lucky or uh, he's just got good genetics or all X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. The reality is, and some of my friends and, and my brother definitely know this, my family, like I would come home and I would practice. Like there'd be a net in front of my house or behind my house, or we'd go to the field. Like every day was practice, 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 practice. And then every weekend was, I was at a tournament or I was not home and that sort of taught me from a very young age that the more time that I put in, the better I got. And it was almost an exponential curve because the better I got and the harder I worked, the, the, the difference in 1% made so much more of a difference. Like when you're, when you're working towards zero to 90%, like if we're thinking like you're playing a video game 
um, NFL, NHL, whatever your sport is, and that you get a rating of a 90. But to get to 91 and 92 and 93 is almost harder than it was to go from 80 to 90. But the difference of the 90 and 91 and 92 makes a massive difference. And I started learning that from a very young age. And that's where when I got into the world of entrepreneurship, I think I, even from the get-go, I've had a little bit different view than some of my friends and people around me who are constantly stressing about different things versus I've really played the long game, even to the point, like we were talking before we jumped on here. Like if you go to my website right now, it's kind of confusing whether it's my personal page or my Thrive on Life page. If you go to all the Instagram accounts I have, like there's starting to have direction and, and, and building them out. But it's been a five-year journey, six-year journey of figuring myself out first and saying, the, I mean, if you know this stat, if you're in the startup world, like the people that have quote unquote, the most success, like the age of them is 44. The one kids 31. get all the attention, but it's, it's the older. Yeah. So they've had compound interest of, of networking and resources and skills acquired and wisdom. And I've taken a step back. And if you look behind me, it's cool that you have all those books behind you because like, literally I just did this on accident. I'm in my kitchen, but like, I see the shelf. Yeah. I started to kind of think, okay, what is going to help me get that 1% that everybody else is overlooking? And that's where most people don't spend enough time meditating or reading or recovering in sauna and ice bath or going for a walk with their significant other or just doing these little things that I, I really started reflecting on because of when I was younger, looking at why was I good at sports? Why was I good in the classroom? Why why did I even care to be good at any of that in the beginning, in the first place? What was the purpose of that? And that's what kind of led me to where I'm at right now, where every day is just how do I get 1% better? And thinking of that 1% of like in the long run. So if I'm 31 now, like 10 years from now, what are my goals when I'm that age? And what is actually going to help me get there? Like sitting here working at a computer as, as hard as I can is not what's going to help me get there. And I think a lot of people confuse that, get confused by that. No, I, I would agree. And, and I think part of the reason I wanted and was attracted to the brand wanted connect is exactly what you just said that 1% better every single day. It's not the, I've got to be 50 or hundred percent better. I got to change everything overnight. I've just got to figure out a way to play the long game and just make little tweaks knowing that compounding interest adds up. Let me ask you something along those lines, because part of the story we've touched on a few times is, is once you started kind of understanding what was going on with your body and you started making pretty significant changes. I think you, you quit alcohol, you quit weed, you started investing in what is this whoop and or ring like you went all yeah, you got everything you got every device on there. Somebody listening to this is thinking, holy crap, and they would try to do it tomorrow. They're like, I'm cutting everything else out tomorrow. I'm going all in. And they maybe get through a week and they fall off the wagon and they're done. And that's they're like, I can't do it. It's too much. And that's where we get into with everything. Every we're going to start a podcast. I got to record 500 episodes come out of the gate instead of just like get one and then worry about getting another one. When you started making these big, significant changes from a social perspective, talk to me how you handle that either, because I'm assuming it impacted some of the people you hang out with or how you hung out with them. 
as well as how you started making the changes over that long period. So it wasn't, if there was a mistake, it wasn't the end all be all. It was how do I recover and get back on the next step? Again, amazing question. Uh, these are, these are amazing. I'm, I'm really fired up to answer these. Um, let me try to condense this. Uh, for people out there, the number one thing that I would say is find ways to make small changes more enjoyable. I think you were spot on with saying we try to do everything all at once, especially when it comes to our health. Like diet culture is, oh, I got to lose this weight for the summer or my wedding or whatever. And we do it all at once. And then it's not a sustainable process for the long run. And the reason it's not sustainable is like, we're doing it for the wrong reasons. We don't have the right purpose. The purpose isn't aligned. And I, I talk about this literally on my Instagram story today. Like our expectations are so high, but our daily habits are subpar. So we get in this cycle of thinking that we're going to hit these really high expectations, but our habits are like really poor and it's constantly doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. And you can apply this to so many different areas of, I mean, every human has gone through this is especially with the social media age where we're comparing each other, right? If you go on my page, you're going to be like, wow, that guy's really fit. That's, that's what most people say, but they also don't understand that like every day I run two, three or four miles and then go lift. And then I get in the sauna and the ice bath. So it's like, you can't compare your journey to mine when our habits are completely different. Now for the average person, you have to look at your own life. And this is where like, I use the thrive acronym, which is time, health, relationships, income, vision, and experiences. Most people sacrifice their time, their health, and their relationships for their income. And when we're talking about health, I mean, your time and your relationships those are just as much a part of your health as anything else. Because if you don't have a healthy mindset, like if you don't, if you don't have enough time, free time to like just sit there and think and, and de-stress, you're not going to have the right purpose of going to the gym and maintaining your health and having proper sleep. So the number one thing that I always start with with people is what is your mindset around your health in the first place? When's the last time you got your blood work done? When's the last time you went to an eye doctor, the dentist, the number one way I can tell if someone doesn't take enough time in their health is like their answer to that is like, I haven't been to the doctor in three years versus I'm not even like, I've pretty much cured myself, but I'm investing in IV therapy every week. I get my blood work done once a quarter. I track my sleep every single day on whoop and aura ring. So I'm not I'm not drastically sick, but I'm tracking my health every day. And that other, that average person who is probably not willing to be vulnerable enough with me to open up and say, I'm having these problems. When I ask them the question of like, how much have you invested into your health or how much I ask them those questions? Cause that just shows me your habits, your daily habits. And then I'll ask like, okay, how much do you drink per week? How much do you eat out? And instead of, if they say, okay, I, I drink, let's just say 10 drinks a week. Um, the motive isn't to go from 10 to zero. The motive is to go from 10 to seven and see how you feel. 
and then start tracking that feeling. And what ends up happening with people is they go from 10 to seven and they're like, I feel a lot better. What would happen if I went from seven to five? Then they start feeling better, even better. And then they're like, hmm, what if I just gave up drinking for a week? Holy crap, I feel amazing. And then they go back to drinking again and they're like, oh, I don't really like that. And the, what I'm describing here is exactly what happened with me. <laughs> I didn't go from like, I'm going on 10 months, not, a, not even smelling alcohol. Um, and I used to drink three, four, five nights a week. And even through, I'm 31. So even up until really when the pandemic started, it was at least two nights a week I was drinking. Um, and when I say drinking, I'm not, I don't mean one or two drinks. I mean like five plus drinks, probably one or two nights a week, uh, for sure. And then the pandemic hit and I really started reflecting on like, what was serving me? I had time again, that space, that mindset of, wow, what really matters to me? And because there were no bars to go to, I didn't drink at home. And I was like, well, why am I going, why am I going to bars to spend money to drink? Like what, what, what purpose does that serve in my life? So I took that out and I was like, I feel amazing. So it was almost forced. And then with people I work with today, really, again, the goal is to get them to work on that mindset of where do you, like, if you were to map out your time on this earth and you thought about how much time you spent in bars versus how much time you spent with your loved ones, you would, I did this, you would almost like want to slap yourself in the face. Like, because I'll end here, go to the bar on a Friday night. Let's say you stay out till 2am, right? That's cool. It's, it's cool to let loose every once in a while, but now you're, it's eating into your Saturday. So if you have a kid or you have a wife or a husband now you're eating into time you could be happy and healthy and spending with them just because you, you needed to go out that night before. For what reason? For what purpose? That's how I started thinking. And that's how I start asking other people to just start questioning their time, their health and the relationships and what are they spending there? And that's where they're going to, they ha you have the answers. I, I can't tell you how to live your life. I can only tell you how to live my, how I live mine but asking the right questions is really where it starts. It's funny you mentioned that the way you did. I've got a, a guy I used to train with and he laughed. He's got three little ones. And he mm -hmm. laughed that the, the thing that kept him from ever having more than a beer on occasion was his kids. He, solely from the fact he's like, they're going to wake me up at the most God awful time as it is. And having to do that, if I drink too much, he's like, it's miserable. He was like, just I, one, I just don't want to talk to them and they're my kids. And he was like, two, I feel terrible getting around. He's like, so that, that right there changed because he started thinking about like, what I want this experience to be like, how do I want to better spend time with them? So interviewing yourself is something uh, we talk about here on the show a ton. And it's so incredibly important of asking yourself those questions, but more than that, creating the space for it. And I think that's where we get missed if we're out the door. We're always on the go. We get home. It's chaos of even taking, Hey, skip the gym this morning and go on a 20 minute walk outside yeah. with just yourself. Like that will do more to clear your head than 
I know we love the workout, but if we miss a day of working out, it's not going to be the end of the world. You're not going to lose your gains. You're not going to suddenly be out of shape. Uh, just like going to the gym one day doesn't suddenly make you in shape, but it helps create space to allow those thoughts to process, which is so key. Uh, I want to ask you somewhere along these lines, you talked about part of the, the narcissistic side and, and the sh- constant striving is the athlete. I get that you're, you're striving for something. I noticed today you made a really, it was today or yesterday, a post all around gratitude and the importance of gratitude in the day-to-day practice. And I think for a lot of people, especially those listening to the show, probably similar to us, that they have big goals. They're high achievers. They're looking to optimize their life to to achieve certain things. We always have a, a struggle in the balance and the balance of gratitude for what we have, gratitude for the opportunity still ahead while still maintaining that, that fine line to say, I still want more. Like it, it's the idea of, I want to keep chasing more for gratitude versus fear of not being good enough. Does that question kind of make sense? And, and have you, one, how do you kind of manage that process of being present, being grateful, grateful for the opportunity, but it's not the, what I've done isn't good enough. So I've always got to do more. This is a tough one solely because I am such a hardcore athlete. You have to tap into this mentality that I would say is more beast-like than human-like. If you really want to be in the top 1%, you have to do inhumane things, Yeah. period. But I'm also like, I'm a romantic. I'm a lover. I'm an empath. I have these two sides of me that I think a lot of males don't allow themselves to go into that other side because they only know that high school athlete that they were or the college athlete that they were or the semi-pro athlete that they were or they got so close to being that pro athlete that they just maintain that same identity for their entire life. And I think I was granted a really cool opportunity with where I grew up to grow up in a diverse environment both the, the different demographics of people, but then also I hung out with a, a lot of women and girls growing up. And I don't think a lot of, and not in the sense of like intimacy and sex, more so in the sense of understanding the other side of the world. And that really helped me kind of learn how to switch. I mean, I, I still fail at this. So Aaron, if you're listening to this, we have this thing. This Aaron's my wife. Like I have this coach mode and like, she's like, you got to turn off coach mode. And like, she oh, thinks- Oh, so I'm, I'm not the only one that might she, speak to their spouse. <laughs> she thinks I'm like, she's saying, stop yelling. I don't like that tone. And I'm like, I'm just being passionate. Like I'm not yelling. <laughs> so <laughs> if you listen to this, I'm, I'm still very much working on this. But I think compared to a lot of other people, the fact that I even acknowledge I have that and I'm trying to learn how to tune that, turn that on and turn that off. This all plays into the gratitude side of things where I just think as males, like if we were to go back to hundreds of years ago where we're, we have to hunt every single day, it's tough to be grateful when you have to wake up and you know, like you have the food today, but you know that the tribe starves tomorrow if you don't yeah. go. So you're constantly, we're constantly thinking, I got to hunt, I got to hunt, I got to hunt. And 
that also is per our brains are programmed to be, I think that a lot, there's a lot of mental health issues with men because not enough men are hunting. They don't know how to hunt every day and like hunt for something and they get depressed and they don't know how to open up about that depression or anxiety. That's a whole nother ball game. Just a but, cycle. Yep. But for me, I only knew how to hunt up until I would say my mid twenties, I was just hunting, 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 hunting. And then I got sick. And I don't mean sick. Like you, you have a cold or you have the flu, like sick to the point where I'm in my mid twenties and spending thousands of dollars, getting these tests done and going to doctors. And they look shocked when I'm in there. Like, cause I was still, I looked fit on the outside. I'm like, what are you doing in here? And I was like, there is something very, very wrong with me. I need help. And that right away, when I started going into the, into the hospital or into surgery or into these things, and that was taking away time that I could have been doing my passions and hanging out with the people I love, that really made me reflect like, wow, like this, my, my end could be at any, any moment. Um, so because of that, I instilled into my brand Thrive on Life that we have to make every heartbeat count. So I have heartbeat tattoos, like on my yep. forearm, I'm trying to show it. And then on yep. my, on my uh, hand and on my hand, I have a ripple where it's a clock and it's a heartbeat. And then there's a, a water droplet, which uh, is the symbol for mindfulness. So it's basically be mindful of your time and not the time of a normal clock, but heartbeats. Like the time on the clock doesn't matter at the end of the day, really doesn't matter whether it's, it's 1.51 PM central time right now. It doesn't really matter because my heart's beating and your heart's beating. That's not infinite. It's going to be finite. And then we have a ripple effect with every heartbeat we make. So that's where the ripple comes from. So it's like, you can either have a positive impact with that ripple or a negative impact. And for me, when I reflected on my life, the most positive experiences I had were when not only I was hunting for myself, but when I was grateful for what I had, but then used what I had to help other people hunt and get better and strive for greater things in their own life. And then the whole age old teach a man how to fish, he'll be able to support his community for the lifetime. I kind of like left that whole, I'm, playing sports for my own accolades to I'm now living a life where every single morning when I wake up to hunt, it's not just me hunting for myself. It's me going after things that are going to improve myself and everybody else around me. And as long as I'm doing that, as long as I can look at the end of the day and say, these are the major things I did today to like fulfill that mission, then I won at life. And that's how I've determined. Again, if you're listening to this, you can determine how you want to live your life and what you think success is. But the gratitude for me comes from even being able to wake up and get to do these things because I, at the end of the day, I know what it's like to have that taken away from you. And it's not fun at all. Like to be sick is not fun. Um, I don't wish it upon anybody. And if you are sick right now and you're going through something, what I will tell you is that it took me so many years to figure out some of the things that I figured out, but just don't lose your hope because things like technology and blood work, technology and sleep, technology in understanding HIV is now coming to the forefront. 
And if I had given up years ago, I never would have gotten to the point where I am now, where I understand my body more and I feel better And because I feel better. I get to show up better. I get to have more gratitude. And then I get basically the feast from the hunt is even bigger every single day for everybody around me. Dude, I love that. I love just that message. Obviously ties right into the life is worth competing for that I'm so passionate about. And so I, I love that and appreciate the, the vulnerability sharing. So CJ, where can people, obviously you've got an incredible podcast. You do some additional things as well as you kind of teased a little bit, got your hand in a few areas. Where can people best get connected with you? The stuff you've got going on, not only online, but in Austin, Texas, uh, and learn more about Thrive on Life. Yeah. So I'd love if you'd shoot me a DM at cj.finley on Instagram. That's spelled like it is CJ period F-I-N-L-E-Y. And then I am a sucker for hanging out, uh, working workouts, like working meetings where we work out. So there's a, there's a gym here in Austin, Texas. We do these amazing community events once a month. Um, at Squatch Frontier Fitness. So if you're looking, if you move to Austin or you're ever in Austin and you're looking to get connected, that is the place to either connect with me or other awesome people um, that are coming through this city. Um, it's, a, it's a warehouse gym with, uh, I have a mobile sauna there, but we also have a sauna built in and ice baths and we're building uh, a podcast studio out into there. And then also another um, kind of like 20 person sauna and um, more of a recovery side of the building. So there's a lot going on there. And I really wanted to highlight them here at the end because community is what I'm all about and community building is what I'm all about. And again, whether you like my episode or like my podcast or not, it's more about helping you find your connection and your community. And I believe you can do so uh, there. Love it. I love it, man. Thank you for investing some time today to hang out, to share a little bit of your story and, and for us to get better connected. I appreciate it. Oh man, Jake, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. I, I can't thank you enough. Keep doing what you're doing and everybody else out there, drive on. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.